You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, well, I think we're going to... Psalm 119. It's good to see everyone here today. All right. Sorry, I got a ton of notes. Don't get overly concerned. Uh, we're going to uh, actually, if, if you were here on Wednesday, uh, when I was studying for the message that turned into uh, Wednesday's message, uh, you know, we're do- doing Colossians, but we kind of went off from that. Sorry. Uh, um, oh, man. Sorry, I'm confusing all my notes here. All right. Um, but in Psalm 119, basically we started talking about the Word of God. And I know that we have been in the book of uh, Corinthians, and then we went over and did that little mini deal. But when I, when I got into that study on Wednesday, I thought that we need to talk a little bit more about that in Psalm 119. Um, and again, just... Uh, You know, think about just as I, again, kind of recap, try to get myself on track here after the Bible trivia debacle in my head, not on a Treyu side, but me trying to figure out what in the world. But we're, looking, we're going to look at abiding in the Word of God in Psalm 119. Okay, so obviously at the heart of any preacher and teacher's ministry, preachers are always trying to get you to get in the Bible. You know, if, you, if, there's a good, if, you, if it's a good preacher and teacher, they're trying to encourage you to get in the Bible, know the Bible. You know, they're trying to encourage you not to take what they say at face value, man. Get in the Word of God. Check what I say. Uh, you know, I believe any preacher worth his salt does that, and I do it. I, my, my heart's desire, seriously, is I want people to be in the Word of God. I want people to grow in the Word of God. I want people to know the Word of God. That's one of the reasons why any decent preacher or teacher is okay when people question them about the Word of God and question them about the things that they're teaching and preaching because it gives the opportunity to learn. But here's, here's I think, one reason that some preachers and teachers do not like people asking them and, or questioning what they've taught or what they've said is that um, they don't want to have to admit that they might need to learn something. See? So... Uh, I like people asking questions because, okay, man, this is exciting. Maybe I can teach them something. But I also like it because a lot of times I learn something. And for some reason, preachers don't, you know, preachers want to give off this deal as, as if they're, you know, they've already arrived and they know everything and, uh, you know, are uh, just without any flaw or error, as if they were an Old Testament prophet that has received this direct message. Uh, but we've got the Word of God. And preachers and teachers are still learning and growing. And I'm telling you, at the point, uh, they're, they're, <laughs> whenever you start feeling like you know everything, you've got a big problem. You know that? When you feel like you know everything, you've got a big problem. Because if you feel like you know everything, what does, what's, it probably tells a couple different things. But what does that reveal if you <clears throat> feel like you know everything? Excuse me. <clears throat> what's that? Your, your, your arrogance? Absolutely. You're going to be arrogant if you feel like you know everything. Pride and, you know, kind of goes together, Trey. You? Yeah, you're no longer in the Word. Uh, that, that's a good one. And, and because here's the thing, if you, the, the only way you feel like you know any, everything about a given subject 
is normally because you've quit learning. Because the more you learn, the more you find out you don't know. The more you learn, the more you find out you don't know. So if you are, if you're not learning, usually it's when you're not learning. And, and another problem is, people that seem to have all the answers is because they know all the questions already. Uh, and, or they think they do anyway, because ju- they just run, hi Elise. Uh, they just run in this, this, such a small circle of knowledge that they're not willing to expand. My desire is I want people to be in the Word of God uh, because, you know, and, and going back to Wednesday night, I guess it, it hit me Wednesday, maybe like it's not hit me in a really long time. I don't even know if it's ever hit me this way. Zach is realizing how much my life has been transformed by the Word of God. I mean, it just... There was something about studying it that it just hit me in a brand new and fresh way that uh, I, am, I am what I am by the grace of God, what Jesus Christ has done in my life, what the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, and how He has transformed me. But the Word of God has transformed and is transforming my life. It's, it's so powerful. I think about the victory that God's given me. I think about just the precepts I live by on a daily basis that uh, help me to... Uh, be, be a man of faith. You can't be a man of faith or a woman of faith if you don't have something to hang your faith on. If, you're not, if, if you don't have the Word of God to draw on as you go and as you face the things through this life. Um, so, Wednesday's message was kind of starting at the point of learning to appreciate the Word of God. Appreciate the Word of God. In other words, it's hard... You know, it's, it's one thing as a preacher to get up here and say, hey, you need to read it, you know, or even as a parent, you're trying to get your kids, uh, hey, you need to read it. Have you read your Bible? It's one thing to try to encourage people to read the Bible. Uh, but if people don't appre- know why they should read the Bible, if they don't appreciate the need for reading about the Bible, uh, then they're not going to read the Bible. And I'll just, I'm just going to give you the points here. I'm not going to redo the message, but obviously there was a lot that weren't here um, Wednesday, I believe, that... Uh, that are here today. So just just a little reminder. Uh, I said the first uh, thing that we need to do if we're going to allow God's Word, if we're going to abide in the Word of God, that means to stay, to continue. If we're going to abide in the Word of God uh, so that we can abound, uh, and that comes from Colossians, how that we abide and we abound. It comes from just really a New Testament principle. Jesus said, I've come that you might have the abundant life. He wants us to abound. He wants us to have a, a, a but, but, but if we're not abiding in Christ and if we're not abiding in the Word of God, we are not going to abound and we're not going to have the abundant life. So the very first thing we must do is to appreciate the virtue of the Word of God. Appreciating the virtue. In other words, the virtue, the value, the, the, the fact that it, 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 it matters. God's Word matters. God's Word, God's Word makes a difference. And if you look in Psalm 19, I told you to turn to Psalm 119 because we're mostly going to be there. But in Psalm 19, verse 7, the Bible says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And I told you that's one of my favorite verses uh, because... Uh, man, God's really taught me some things about the Word of God. I've really learned a lot about the Word of God. I still have a lot to learn. But I was sharing with the folks on Wednesday how that, seriously, just as far as natural learning goes, uh, I've never been a very smart guy. I've never been just a naturally, uh, you know, I've never been a guy that could just sit down and read. Um, number one, my biggest problem was, and 
It's never being diagnosed, maybe self-diagnosis, but, uh, you know, I believe it's ADD or something along those lines, attention deficit disorder, to where, uh, especially as a kid, uh, as a teenager, when the Lord saved me, um, I could barely read um, a paragraph, uh, definitely not a couple paragraphs, without actually staying with what I'm looking at. I mean, in other words, my mind is gone. Uh, I literally get down to the end and then realize that I'm done reading and have no idea that I've been reading because my mind has already drifted off on other thoughts. Um, so, you know, I was just sharing the struggles uh, that I had when it pertained to reading um, in school. And I shared, like, kind of embarrassing to say. It's a, a lot of it's embarrassing to say, I suppose. But uh, uh, I, I try to be careful sharing this with the kids uh, because I don't want to encourage them to do like I did. But I would have so, so much struggle reading that and when we'd have some of these end of the quarter, end of the year tests, and uh, you know, you'd have to read uh, like, you'd have to read like three, four, five, I think you'd have to read like five paragraphs, have like five questions at the end, you know, just reading comprehension. You'd have to do that one after the other. And I literally would just guess on the five questions. It's five paragraphs. You say, how hard is that? For some of you, not at all. But for me, extremely. I mean, now, again, there's some laziness there. Because if I went back and read it again, and went back and read it again and again and again, eventually I'm going to get through it and be able to focus on what I read. But my point is, is it just wasn't natural. It wasn't just, bam, open up, read it, comprehend it, awesome, I'm killing it, and I'm moving on. It was a struggle. Therefore, I didn't really uh, like reading very much. Well, I got saved by the grace of God. And of course, since I got saved in a good Bible-preaching church, the very first thing they're telling me is, get, get a Bible. Get in the Bible, start reading the Bible. And I'm thinking, and, and by the way, that's something I wanted to do because I wanted to know the Bible. I, I mean, I had a desire, I had a hunger in my heart for God and to know the Word of God. I had all these questions. Um, but then the idea of reading the Bible was fairly daunting for me. Uh, but I was encouraged to read the Bible anyway. And one of the greatest pieces of advice, and I've given it to people time and time again since then, that I, that I feel like I was given was by one of my great mentors uh, who discipled me as a young Christian, Joe Fleming, when he told me, he said, read it every day. He said, read it every day. And, and at this time, I was a young Christian. He said, at least read a chapter every day. Uh, maybe two, he said, but I just got saved. And he said, at least read a chapter every day. And he says, and if you don't understand it, and he said, and if you get down to the end of it, Basically, and you forget that you were even reading, you know, which I say could happen to me. He said, don't get discouraged. He said, because it's not all about just getting it up here. You have the Holy Spirit of God on the inside. And he said, the Holy Spirit of God is going to, you know, and it was this picture that he gave me. The Holy Spirit of God is going to reach out and he's going to take those verses into your heart. Uh, just be faithful. Stay with it. it. It'll get easier. It'll get easier. So that's exactly what I did. And I shared Wednesday how that it would just be so awesome because just out of the blue, uh, I would be witnessing, witnessing to somebody, talking with someone, and all of a sudden, a Bible verse would come to my mind. And I'd say, well, you know the Bible says, and I'd be like, man, I sound like a preacher just then. Uh, you know, but where did that come from? It didn't come to me. Like, man, that dude's so smart, you know. He just really reads in the tanks. No, it came from the Spirit of God and the Word of God, the power of the Word of God, and it began to change my life in that way. But... The more you begin to learn and the more God begins to use the Word of God, you know, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. I mean, God's Word just started working and molding me. Uh, 
I think I'll just give a couple of testimonies here. And maybe you could be thinking about some ways the word of God has changed you specifically, um, you know, including salvation. But one, one of the ones I think of that really stood out to me as a younger Christian is how that uh, I used to think it was a prideful thing to say that basically that I'm going to that I'm going to do this or that for God or that I'm going to live for God or whatever. I used to feel like it was a pride. It sounds silly, but you know, I'd hear people say that I want to live for God, uh, you know, uh, the rest of my life. And I'm like, well, I can't say that because I don't know. What, what if I don't do it? Sounds stupid, maybe. But that's that's just the way I thought about things. Uh, I, but then I started reading in the Psalms. And I started reading all, and I think about this because in our chronological reading, we've just kind of been going through the Psalms, and all those I wills in the Psalms started getting me. Tell me how the Word of God changes you. I just started seeing I will. David saying, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. And, And I thought, well, man, if God is speaking through David, and God is letting him say, I will praise you, I will go to the tabernacle, I will praise God. I suppose I can say that too. And then so I started saying, because I believe there's a caveat there, I started saying, I will, by the grace of God, live for God. I will, by the grace of God. You know what? How about this one? How many of you feel like, or have ever got got in your mind that it's it's somehow superficial or, um, you know, maybe emotionalism to praise the Lord if you're really not feeling it? Anybody ever felt like that before or thought like that? Uh, before i mean i felt like that before uh you know because you hear people you know what did god tell you to say that you know what what's the answer by the way and this is another time god god's word has changed my life what is the answer to the question did god tell you to praise him just now absolutely he did he's told us time and time again he's told us repeatedly and but it's one of those things that we treat ron as if it's like you know what what if we treated praise and worshiping the Lord the way we treat, what if we treated the rest of the Bible the way we treat those commands and those instructions that we have repeatedly? What if we treated every other thing that God told us is, well, only if you feel moved. Only if you feel led because you don't want it to be hypocritical, you know. You don't want it to be in the flesh. Uh, and, uh, but but I, what I'm just simply trying to share with you is I got all of that out of some of those I wills. And God began, he's like, you know what? Yep. You know what I'm doing when I go down to church today? I'm going to jump up and praise God. So shout hallelujah. That's what David said he was going to do, and he did it. Uh, and, and I started saying, you know what? And, and, and one of the big points in my life, a huge point in my life was, I mean, just when I got in the altar one day, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, with your help, that's the caveat I was mentioning earlier, the caveat, with your help, Lord, I will love you and serve you to the day I die. Now, there was a time in my life I thought that was a prideful thing to say. It almost scared me to say it, like, wow, who do you think you are, man? But I started realizing it's not about who I think I am, it's about how, who I know my God is, all right? And so I'm just trying to give you an example of, of some of the ways that God's Word, and those probably aren't even the best ones to use, uh, but if there's some of them that God did use in particular in my life. I mentioned the verse a moment ago. I'm talking about the value of the Word of God, the virtue of the Word of God. The Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. That's the point. It's profitable. Why should you read the Bible? Why should you uh, learn the Bible? Why should you memorize the Bible? It's profitable. And, you, but if, and my, my goal is to get people, I guess number one, because I'm trying to get people to read it, 
But I first need to let people understand that it's profitable. If you don't believe it's profitable, then maybe you're not going to do it. You want to know why? Because the Bible, it can be a challenge to get in and read the Bible, can it not? It can be a challenge to understand the Bible. And I think there's, maybe there's some men in particular that it's a humbling thing to start reading the Bible and then to admit that they don't understand some things uh, and that they need to learn some things, you know. Um, and to tell another guy, man, I read this, but I don't get it. And so what some guys can do and what some girls can do as well is start to read it. They don't get it. So they set it aside out of frustration and say, well, I don't know. I, I'm not good at that. You know, some people, they don't want to do nothing they're not good at. Not good at it, not going to do it. Well, uh, we can all get good at the Bible, if you want to say it that way, if you're saved by the grace of God. You've got the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of you, so you just got to stay with it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if you, you know, just basically that if we do not love, know, understand, practice, and obey the Word of God, we cannot be victorious Christians. And, you know, the, the, the way we started this message on uh, Wednesday was we used the verse when Jesus was talking to those disciples on the road uh, to Emmaus, you know, when the Bible says, did not our hearts burn within us? And when he opened to us the scriptures, and I'm telling you, what you need to believe and understand today is that God will still open up the scriptures to you. And he still will let you get a fire in your heart. Uh, when he opens up the word of God in your life. Uh, and so my goal is, if you just haven't really got into the word of God uh, ever, do it. Man, understand the value of it. Start pursuing it. Start making that effort. Maybe you're like me and you can think, man, there's a time when I was really fired up about the word of God. But quite honestly, and, and, and I'm still faithful in the word of God, but now it's just kind of, you know... I get up, I eat breakfast, I drink coffee, I read the Bible, and I go, you know what, to where if, and, and that's good to have it a part of a habit, but may God h help us to read it expecting something. And that's kind of where I want to try to get to today, uh, just as I do a, a, a fairly large recap, but get into the Word of God. I mean, I mean, it will take work. Psalm 119, of course, uh, as we open up Psalm 119, we've said it before. Uh, but what are some of the characteristics of Psalm 119? Distinctions of Psalm 119, if you want to say it that way. Yeah, amen, that's, that's, a, that's a great one. It is the, so Psalm 119 is an acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, those little, those, those funny symbols and words before each grouping of uh, those Psalms is the, it are, it's the ABCs of the Hebrew alphabet, so to speak. It's the Hebrew alphabet, and it's acrostic on each one all the way through. So that's a pretty cool uh, distinction. Uh, by the way, it's kind of another cool deal. You have jot. You have a, a jot in here later. It's J-O-D uh, when they show it in here. But when Jesus said, "Not one jot or tittle shall pass away till uh, till or my," the, 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 I'm sorry, not one jot or tittle will go unfulfilled basically until uh, you know. Uh, I'm mixing up the verse. But heaven and earth shall not pass away, but jot and tittle will stand. Basically, the most smallest punctuation, even the, the, the smallest deal in the Word of God, He promised to preserve. But just going back to Psalm 119, yes, the Hebrew alphabet, it's an acrostic of that. Another distinction about Psalm 119. That was the hardest one, I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, in fact, you would be, it's a lot easier, and I have done this actually. Uh, I have gone through Psalm 119 and to find the times God's Word is not referenced. Now, when I say the Word of God, that, that includes uh, statute, judgment, um, ways, uh, precepts, law, truth. These are all references, different references to the Word of God. Uh, but uh, if, if I remember correctly, uh, I'm pretty sure that it was less than 10 verses of Psalm 119 that don't reference the Word of God in some form or another. I challenge you to check that out. I, uh, it's been years since I've done it. Okay, so another distinction about Psalm 119. There's one that's real obvious. Amen, it's timeless, amen, for sure. Uh, yeah, it's the longest, that's right. Yeah, it's the longest, and that's, that's the last one I was really just kind of fishing for there, even though it's, I think we all know it, but uh, anyway... But, but it's cool because so the longest chapter in all the, all the Bible is about the Bible. Uh, so basically, it's almost like the Bible study I'm trying to do right now is a Bible study on why we ought to study the Bible, amen? A Bible study on the Bible and try to encourage us not only why we ought to, but maybe even uh, as we go through it, give some good tips on studying the Word of God. And then uh, a couple things that we talked about the value of the Word of God last week, and Doria mentioned the first one. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You know, think about that. This Bible was settled in heaven before there was uh, the earth. Before God, before creation, what God had, was going to say in this book was settled already. Um, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Man, this is not just a normal book. This is the word of God. It's a timeless book. The word of God is the only book to originate in heaven. Uh, no wonder it's so powerful, amen? Look at Psalm 119, verse 152. Would somebody want to read that one for me? Psalm 119, verse 152. Amen. And uh, so forever. And then once again, you could, there's several. You could drop down to 160. The Bible says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. And uh, thank God for the, uh, the, the, the timelessness of God's Word. Listen, the Bible that you hold in your hand uh, is forever settled in heaven. Amen? Uh, and if it is on the shelf, so to speak, we need to dust it off and get it into our hearts. Amen? Uh, that's where the Word of God belongs, in our hearts. And we've talked... For, we, we, talk, uh, we talk a lot about this, actually, but you think about different emperors and different uh, atheists and extremists and religious folks throughout the years who have tried to do away with the Word of God, but it still stands. It has endured so much attack, but God's Word still stands. It's timeless. So since it's the Word of God, they can't do nothing with it. If the Bible, I mean, with the effort, the sheer effort and dogged determination that people have gone to try to disprove the Bible, and, and they still claim that they have disproven it in some uh, circles, but they don't have any real solid thing that can't be easily refuted um, because the word, it's the truth, it's a, uh, it is a timeless book, and it's also a truthful book. Um, and I'm going through these quick because this was what we 
uh, preached on Wednesday. It's a truthful book. Folks, Jesus said, uh, you know, in, in His prayer in John 17, 17, Jesus, when He prayed to the Father, said, Thy word is truth. So it's a timeless book. It's a truthful book. And therefore, it's a treasured book. And this is where we kind of were ending, ended up last week, a treasured book. Uh, look at Psalm 119, verse 72. Somebody want to read that one for me? Psalm 119, verse 72. Amen. Uh, man, I, I wish we could understand that that's like for reals. Like that's not just like, it's, it's not hyperbole. Uh, he is not saying that, you know, you know, I'm just, just to really overstate something, riches are, we, we all know that riches is, I'm, I'm speaking, if he were speaking hyperbole, he is not saying that we all know that riches is really like the thing. Uh, but just to try to make an example, I'm just saying that the Word of God, I'd rather have that, but you know, kind of wink, wink, nod, nod. It's like, no. The Word of God is so much more valuable than any wealth you could ever possibly get. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know about, about y'all, but, uh, you know, it's a funny thing too, isn't it? Because uh, I was going to say for somebody, you know, like, like my, my wife and I, by, by American standards, we grew up, uh, you know, relatively poor. Uh, so there, it's, it's easy, it was easy as a younger person for me to get in my mind that, man, if I could get a bunch of money, I would be happy. Uh, but what's funny, what, what, what's, what's the thing that when, whenever you get to the stage, and by the way, I'm, and, and, and I'm not saying I got a bunch of money, I, I can tell you right now, uh, but compared to what we used to have, honestly, I tell my kids this, uh, we were rich people in, I, when we were kids, if I could have seen Somebody like us that owns a house, owns a couple of cars, uh, you know, can go out to eat. It's like, well, man, th- those are rich people. Those are rich people. Uh, and, and so, so I, we, we are now rich people for, from the perspective from where I was at when I was a kid. But isn't it funny that, you, that then you can get to this stage, Ralphie, and all of a sudden, what do we need now? We need a little more, right? Uh, and, and I'm not picking on Ralph, uh, saying he, I'm not saying Ralph's like that, I'm really not, but I'm just saying that he knows, it's just so funny. You can really, uh, you can set your heart on, on riches, um, and you know, it reminds me of what, uh, I think it was John D. Rockefeller, that somebody asked him one time, what does it, what does it take to make a, uh, or I know, what, what was it, how much money is enough? You know, one more dollar, and, it, and this is after, you know, I mean, you know, crazy story how they had attacked, uh, you know, Rockefeller for having a monopoly, uh, went to court for it. They made him break up his monopoly and it made him richer than ever because then he just expands. So now he's just a billionaire. How much does it take? Just one more dollar. But I'm telling you, and some of you know this history, but it's a pretty cool deal uh, that uh, I'm trying to think if it was um, Rockefeller. I believe it was Rockefeller. Um, but this happened with several, several of these big billionaires, Carnegie, um, you know, another one's going to come to mind, Vanderbilt, uh, some of these others that come to mind, but, uh, John D. Rockefeller was a billionaire and he was literally about to worry himself to death because he was always worried about his money. He's always worried about his money, always worried about making more money, worried about losing money, worried about people. He was suspicious of people around him. He thought people were after, was after his money. He was a miserable man. And, Till finally, and I can't remember what led to this, 
he decided he's going to donate some of his money. Then he started giving some of his money. Then he started feeling pretty good. So then he started giving more of his money. And it was crazy. There was a time when these, these, uh, these, these billionaires were, were com- competing to see who could become the richest man and most powerful man in America. And it's so cool because toward the end of their lives, these men started competing in who could give the most. And these men started giving away their health. And the more they gave wealth, the, the more they gave away, the, they, they began to experience joy. Rockefeller got better. Literally, he was, he was on the verge of death until he started giving and started saying, you know what, instead of just hoarding, and, and I know that I'm, I'm going a different way with the, talking about the giving part here, but it's just simply leading to the point that what got him there is that money, think, I mean, money's great, isn't it? It really is. God's blessed us with money. And, it, and, and maybe, you know, some people have been blessed with more than others. Nothing wrong with being blessed with us. Nothing wrong with being blessed with billions like Ralph. Right? There's nothing wrong with having uh, wealth, but you've heard it before. There's something wrong when it has you. But if you, if you set your heart on wealth, you're going to be very, very disappointed. So going back to the verse, the Word of God is treasured. What? Tell me some things that God's Word does in your life. That cannot be that you cannot buy with any amount of money. Think about that for a moment. You say something, Ellie? Or are you just talking to Ralph? Oh, okay, that was you. Uh, brings faith, amen. Absolutely. Uh, uh, <laughs> anything else, Doria? Amen. Amen. And so Deidre's and Doria's go together there. Deidre said faith. Doria's talking about just the ability, of, I mean, to, to be able to live above your circumstances, to know that God's in control. Uh, you know, no, no, I mean, what would some of these people pay? What would Rockefeller had paid to be able to pillow his head at night and know everything's going to be okay. And just to have peace that God's in control, he can relax and just trust the Lord with it. You know, which that obviously then brings peace. Uh, that faith brings a peace there. You, there's no amount of money that can purchase peace. You just can't do it. Uh, what's, what's some other things that God, that's just you cannot buy? Tells you you really are, yeah. So that means that... that you know, th- those, those things within us that maybe searching for purpose, searching for meaning, when we realize who we are in Christ, man, we can have purpose. We can have, um, you know, fulfillment that money cannot buy. You know, it's just, it reminds me of the old saying, you know, and you've heard it before, and I know it's a cliche, but man, some of these are just, I think, great cliches if you want to call them that. But, you know, someone says that you don't, you don't count your wealth uh, you count your wealth basically in the things that money cannot, that what you possess that money cannot buy, right? Uh, and the Word of God is so, so valuable. And we're talking about just personally here. But uh, you, know, you know what I'll say? Uh, what about marriage? What about marriage? Number one, the gift of marriage that God teaches us about, that God instituted. But what about using the Word of God to help you to, to direct your marriage? Hey, has anybody had a super easy marriage out there? All right, Deidre. I was going to say, you're married to Derek. Um, so, uh, it's hard, man. Uh, 
Aren't you glad, though, that God's given us an instruction book? And how many of you know the instruction book's hard? It is. I mean, how many of you, how many of you wives love uh, show, being respectful and submitting to your husband? How many of you just feel like, this is the best thing ever? You know why you don't feel that way? Because part of the fall is, uh, until the day you die, you're going to have something that fights against that. Um, and that's, that's a, that, there's a whole other message in that uh, of itself. How many, how many of you husbands want to love your wife? Now, this, this doesn't come into my category, okay? But even if your wife is being an old sea hag, you've got to love her as if she's being the greatest thing that's ever walked this planet. See, because uh, <laughs> Samson called his wife a heifer, all right? Um, but it don't follow what Samson does, okay? Uh, but here's the thing. What, what us men want to do, we're cool loving our wives, that's all well and good, but she better act right. She better look right, she better take care of herself, she better have a good attitude, she better have that meal done just right, she better, you know, she better have, she better have my slippers ready and the coffee on and... Uh, you say, this sounds like the 1950s, amen? But she better have all that. And I understand that she's, I understand that the kids have wore her out all day. I understand that she is tired and she is wore out. And, uh, and, and I come home and I just sit on the recliner up until, you know, 1030 at night. And then you jump in bed. <laughs> and your boy, she just better be right there, you know. Well, it's easy to love our wives when they're doing that. And that's generally my experience. But uh, <laughs> if uh, your experience, I mean, that's the way God tells us to love our wives. But here's the thing. And wives, when your husband is being that kind of dude, uh, guess what the Bible says that you're supposed to do? You're supposed to reverence him, respect him as if he is Prince Charming. Yeah, that guy. You're supposed to reverence him, the dude that left his underwear on the floor. The dude who cannot figure out just to pick his socks up, all right? I mean, the, the guy that, uh, that, you know, forgets your favorite piece of jewelry. That guy. Uh, the dude that just comes home and lays around all afternoon once he gets off of work. The Bible says that you are to reverence him. Res show him respect, all right, as if he were that guy. So if we follow that, and, and here I am getting off on marriage, but I'm just trying to tell you that, that God's given us a pattern for marriage, all right, and that if we will follow that, because that's contrary to what we want to do, because we say, preacher, I ain't going to treat that woman right until she starts acting right. See how that works out for you. I'm not being good to that woman. Matter of fact, I'm not speaking to that woman for the next two weeks. You ever do that? Cold treatment? Uh, cold shoulder, or maybe vice versa? And by the end of those two weeks, by golly, I bet she'll be all warmed up to me. And been good to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm going to treat him like dirt, and I'm going to point out his every flaw, and I'm going to point out in front of the kids and anybody that'll listen how sorry and low down of a man he is, and you just watch how much of it. And boy... That's just going to make him great. 
See, we're so counterproductive if we follow things ourselves. But I'm glad we've got the Word of God. Because the Word of God says to do something that's hard. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And see that the wife also reverence her husband. And if we do that, which seems counterproductive, guess what we start finding out? Wow. I'm loving her the way God says to love her. And she's becoming more lovable. I'm respecting him the way God said to respect him. He's becoming more respectable. Um, You know, I mean, you do it God's way. And I'm just simply saying that thank God God created marriage and he gave us instructions from the word of God. Uh, I'm a very happily married man today. And it's not because I have followed 100% the husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church deal because I don't. But I've made that effort. And, and, and by God's grace, I've done that to some extent. I want to do it to a greater extent with the help of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, and it's not to say that Melanie's always showed me that 100% respect and reverence uh, because we're, we're people and we don't do that. But the point is, is that we've attempted, God help me. This is the way I want to do it. This is how, so then all of a sudden, what happens? Then you got a great marriage. Is it still hard? Do you go through seasons still? You know, to where it's, it's, it's harder? Uh, and for one reason or the other, I mean, one of you just refuses to act right. See, the Bible don't say love her if she's reverencing you. And the Bible don't say reverence if you, he's loving you. But, if we, but the Bible instructs us, therefore, we can have a successful marriage. And so uh, that was a long answer, wasn't it? Melanie, you agree? Um, that was definitely a long answer. But the point is just simply this. Can you pay for how, how much can you pay for a good marriage? Someone says, well, I preach, I've seen online, you can get these brides from Russia. I mean, it's, it's expensive, but you know. Uh, <laughs> but the, no amount of money, no amount of gifts can purchase a good marriage. All right? Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Anything else? Just in case I hadn't run it all the way off the rails. Uh, can you think of some other ways that God's Word is worth more, Melanie? Amen. Wow. Amen. It absolutely is. I mean, you know, you've heard it before, and I mean, I believe it. It's just maybe another cliche, but that's true. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a love letter from God. You know, I mean, can you, you ever ghosted anybody? Now, for those maybe my age and older, you don't know what ghosting is. But ghosting is when somebody's trying to call your text, you get in touch with somebody, you're, just, you're a ghost on your end. In other words, you just don't respond. You're just like, ah, oh, okay, I'll, not important, or maybe I'll get to that later, or whatever the case is. Uh, we, we, we've got a text from God right here. We've got letters from God. We've got God reaching out to us. We better not ghost the Holy Ghost. Amen. We don't need to ghost the Word of God. We need to respond. Understand that God's trying to or God is reaching out to us. So yeah, man, the fact that He's actually speaking to us in the Word of God, we can personalize. And again, we understand when we talk about you know ways to study the Bible. We understand the Bible needs to be rightly divided. We understand that you know the kids learn the song. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. The theology of that song is not very good, is it? Uh, there's a principle behind the song that's good, but there's some of the promises in the Word of God that actually belong to Israel. <laughs> Uh, for instance, uh, well, that's not mine. Now, I may be able to take an application from it, but, 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 generally, but understanding that the Word of God is personal. I, um, 
Matter of fact, uh, this kind of goes to a point that I was going to make today that I'm clearly not going to get to since I didn't even get into what I was going to give today. But uh, there was a, a, a verse that we came across, I think it was in yesterday's reading of Psalms, that it just struck me. And it was two verses out of uh, one of the pictures. I've been meaning to go back and look at it and try to find the verses because they struck me. Because, man, whenever God speaks to you about a verse, man, we need to be willing to... We need, when we read our Bibles, we need to be ready to write something down. Or put it in the notes on our, our pad or our phone or whatever. I mean, are you expecting God to speak or not? You know, let's expect it. Let's say, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I'm listening for something today. I'm ready to put something in my notes. I'm ready to write something down. I'm telling y'all that, and then I wasn't ready to write this down the other day, okay? So uh, I'm not always telling you to do what I do, uh, but I'm telling you that by God's grace, that's what I know that we need to do. And I'm t- going back to Melanie's point, the personal nature. God Almighty has a word that I can apply to my life. I mean, it is to me personally. And I've told you before about... Uh, you know, and, and I'll probably say it a lot just because it made such an impression on me. Uh, Denise Lance back in Pierce, South Dakota. Uh, and Denise, she's still, still, still alive today. But uh, she got saved out of a Roman Catholic. I mean, she was a devout Roman Catholic. God saved her soul, changed her life. Uh, and one of the things I realized about some of the Catholics that I've known that's gotten saved and that I've seen got, that got saved, especially some of the ones I knew in Pierre, is that, you know, all their lives, they've been basically been told in some form or another, or maybe just insinuated that you can't really understand it. But as a priest, I'm the one who can tell you what it really says or means. And unfortunately, there's people like that in all kinds of churches these days, uh, in some form or another. Um, but uh, man, they get saved, and all of a sudden they hear, "Wait, so I can understand the word of God myself? I can know the word of God." Long story short, if it's not too late, Denise, man, she just started digging in the word of God. I mean, she just started learning it, and that woman, man, she knows the Bible because she digs. It's a treasured book to her. But it was really cool because she had come across some of these verses, you know. Uh, just for instance, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And you know what she'd do? She would take and write her, her initials, D-L, beside that verse. She'd say, yep, that's mine. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Uh, you see what I'm saying? And she, she would just, throughout her Bible, she would just be reading. She'd have a pen handy. Yep. The Lord's promise to me right there. Uh, I'm going to claim that. See, uh, a lot of people, anybody ever window shop? They don't, I, don't, I, don't, I guess they, they, we call it that still, but it doesn't make as much sense to maybe some of the younger folks. But window shopping. Uh, you ever gone out? I used to go, man, it used to be the worst thing. You talk about torture. I used, my aunt... Uh, used to take me shopping she'd take me and my sister shopping i don't know why she took me for they'd always promised me they'd take me by the pet store or the toy store before we left uh, i think that usually wrote me in but if it took too long uh i might hide and try to act like i was kidnapped just something to raise a ruckus to try to break up the monotony of being in the store uh i was a great kid but uh they, they would shop I'm talking about spend the whole day or at least half the day at the mall and we would leave and they wouldn't even be carrying nothing with them. They wouldn't even buy nothing. Maybe they'd buy one or two things, but just, just window shopping. And, uh, but you know what? That's how some people do the Bible. They just window shop. You been in the Bible today? We're just like people walking around, walking through, you know, let's say Yonkers, but that's no longer, but walking through the store and it's, oh man, 
Uh, oh, man, that's great. Oh, man, yeah, that would look good on me. I, or I could use this in my house, then put it back and leave. That's how we read the Bible. That is not how God wants us to read the Bible. To Melanie's point, it's worth more than gold and riches because we can actually take the words of Almighty God, apply them, use them in our lives. And I guess the, I'll just have to close on this point, talking about it being treasured. Uh, thinking about it being treasured, I'm also thinking about treasure. You know, it's just a, a simple step, isn't it? Uh, I mean, any, anybody, I, as a kid, I was pretty enamored with treasure. You know, like pirate things and stuff like that was kind of a big deal when I was a kid. And, you know, X marks the spot. And uh, I remember sometimes I'd just make an X out in the woods. And I was just, just dreaming that somebody's going to come out there and see that X and just start digging. And I just had this funny image in mind because they're not going to find nothing. I shouldn't tell you how the things that go on in my mind. But, but what if you knew today? What if you knew for sure? That, you know, that there was a treasure buried on your land, in your yard. You knew it. You knew that there was a treasure. You couldn't even stink and count it. They don't even know how much is there. It's just more than you can. What if you knew that? You know, if we treat it like this great treasure that we have, we'd be like, oh yeah, there's a treasure back there. Oh, and, and it's, amen, it's great. We got a treasure back there, y'all. Wonderful. I don't think any of us would do that if we knew there was a treasure beyond, you know, compare and beyond uh, estimate buried that was at our access. Now, the, the, the problem is, somebody says, well, preach, it's, it's buried. And I hate to dig. Anybody like to dig? Nobody likes to dig. It's buried under there, and that sounds kind of like work. We ain't thinking about the work. We're thinking about the treasure, man. And we don't care what it takes. We might not even sleep until we get that treasure dug up. And may God help us to have that same type of attitude when it comes to the Word of God. These riches, and we didn't even scratch the surface today, that are in the Word of God, our riches that are in Christ, we learn about those riches, you know, on the richest side, and I'm going to have to stop, and maybe we could pick back up since I've got to stop, but... The Bible, the Bible's kind of like our account book, you know, to where you can go in. It's like our statement. You go in, how much do we have? How much money do you have in your account? Well, this is where you find out how much money you have in your account. But there's way too many Christians that go around. They're hungry on a Wednesday afternoon. But they won't even stop at McDonald's because they're not sure if they've got enough in their bank account to cover a quarter pounder meal. Terrible illustration. But I'm just simply saying that Christians go through their... They, they, they face temptation. I don't know if I've got enough to cover that. They face defeat in their life. They face discouragement. We face unforgiveness. We face all these things. B being defeated. Being under those waves, Dory. Under the circumstances. Not having faith. Our marriage being in, in just a terrible place. All these different things that we're facing in life. Oh, if we open up this account book, it's like, oh, wait a second. I got enough to cover that. I got enough to cover that. I got enough to cover this. And all of a sudden, we can start living like the kings and queens that God wants us to live like. And queens is specific to the women, just to be specific in 2021. 
But we can live like the kings and queens that God wants you to be if you just realize how much you got. Amen? Okay, so we'll stop right there. Uh, Any pressing questions or comments? Uh, I've gone five minutes over. It's not your fault, it's mine. Hey, write them down and save them for next week, amen. Any clarity that needs to be made? Did I say something bad about us, Melanie? 